Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Uh, let's try this. Uh, I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Uh, today we are kicking off this brand new series called Making Change. And I want to say I believe that God could use this series to propel you in a direction that could literally change your life and change your children's life because of what God can do. And I believe that with all my heart, this series has that kind of potential to bring that kind of change. Um, if you like what you hear today and, and you feel like this is a good series, we have some of these uh, invite cards out on the resource table. I want to encourage you to just grab one of these, maybe invite a friend. And uh, today we're going to be covering less is more, less is more. And then next week we're going to talk about stress is bad. Do you know anyone in your life who has a little bit of stress in their life? Uh, invite them to come with us next week. Uh, and then we're going to talk about giving is good and then that tomorrow matters. And that's what we'll be covering over these next couple of weeks. Uh, we also have out there, um, we just wrapped up our Song of Solomon series last week. And a year ago, we gave out these conversation cards that when you have your date night with your spouse or whatever, uh, it can help to have some good conversation starters. And so we have new ones available uh, for anyone to grab, and they're also out in the resource table. And there's some great date night questions like number seven, toilet paper roll, under or over? Maybe you've never you know, solved that problem in your marriage and you can talk about it. Uh, what's the best date we've ever been on together and why? What's your favorite holiday memory? Whatever it might be. There's some great questions in here. And then for the bold, if you turn on the back of the card, there's some conversation starters for after dark. Uh, so after your date night, um, you can check those out if you want. And then also, finally, um, we have these books uh, called uh, The Generosity Ladder out on the resource table. If you are a first-time guest or if you've been new to Mosaic or even if you just want some help in your finances, this is a great little tool that we want to provide to you. You can just grab one of these free, and it just talks about how to find financial freedom instead of financial fear. Uh, just grab one of these books, read through it, um, pass it on to someone else if you want. That's our gift to you, just to give you a tool to help you um, in this holiday season, especially as you approach to find financial freedom, not financial fear. Um, I love music. Anyone else just love music? Uh, can we give our, our band a, a hand today? They did a great job today. Uh, thank you for leading us uh, in worship. Uh, there's something special about music. Uh, there's something neat when a group of people come together and we are singing the same things. We are breathing together. There's something uh, that just unifying about that experience. Um, you know, Many, many years ago, if you wanted to hear music, you had to only hear you know, live musicians. And then they came out with a record player, and then there was this amazing invention, because I don't think anyone had a record player in their car, but then they had these things that came out that you could have a certain amount of tracks on them in your car. What, were the, what was that called? Eight track. An 8-track. Who here remembers when 8-track players came out? Let's see those hands up. Really? That's amazing. Eight-track players, and then they were replaced by something smaller, a little better. What were those? Cassette, yeah. How many of you guys remember the Sony Walkman? That was a big deal, right? Because what now you could take your music with you, not just in a car, right? You had a soundtrack for your life. It was amazing. And then in the 90s, Sony even upped it. And because so, cassette quality was eh, not so great, not as good audio quality as records. And then what did Sony come out with in the 90s? The Discman. How many of you guys had a Discman? Yes. Discmans were amazing. Now, if you had the extra special Discman, you had um, the, like, what was it called? Uh, the Don't Skip or something, right? Yeah? Yeah. And then also, the nice Discmans had a little button 
He slid it. And what did that do? Does anyone remember? What was it? Yes, bass boost. How many remember bass boost? <laughs> amazing. You're like, I don't think there's enough bass. Boom, bass boost. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Well, fast forward a number of years, and now we have MP3 players, and now we have cell phones that play music and all this stuff. Well, what happens often now is that we don't have our disciplines. We don't have bass boost. And a lot of us, especially teenagers, I hear this all the time, they listen to music on their phone with these tinny little speakers that are just terrible sounding. In fact, this happens so much that now uh, record companies actually mix music for little tiny iPhone speakers uh, instead of good systems with bass boost, things like that. And everything sounds the same, right? Uh, we live in a culture where everything is, is just all about the treble. It's just kind of up here. And I think we need a little bass boost in our life. Amen? But honestly, yes, exactly. <laughs> he works in sound. He gets it. <laughs> but there is something about our culture where I think we are missing bass notes. And people are hungry for something of substance, something of foundation, something that resonates deep inside our soul, like good subwoofers. And so you might ask, in, in the kind of world we live in, what can the Bible even say about stress and money and these different issues? The Bible, to me, is like these great bass notes that give substance, that give a foundation to the soundtrack of our lives. And so today and this week, we're going to be looking, what does the Bible say about how to believe that less is more, to believe that stress is bad, that giving is good, that we need to prepare for tomorrow? And so we're going to be looking at God's Word, and, and, and we want to add a little base to our lives, a little foundational truths. Amen? Uh, would you join me? And let's, let's pray as we dive in today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be uh, with us this morning, that uh, as I speak, these words would be from you, and God, that they would give us a little base in our life, a little foundation, a little substance that we can stand on. God, I thank you for the gift of your love and grace and for the baptisms that we'll be celebrating later this afternoon, uh, today. And uh, be with us all. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, can you believe that we are in the second week now of November and the holidays are just down the road? Like, that's kind of crazy. All right, there's a couple different kinds of people in here. How many of you are already proudly playing Christmas music? How many of you, when you hear Christmas music, you get angry? All right. <laughs> How many of you have your trees up already? Christmas trees. The few, the proud. Amazing. Way to go. Way to go. That's impressive. We are in the season now as we're approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's Day. And for a lot of people, the holidays bring a lot of stress, right? But what if we could have a stress-free holiday season? Is that even possible? What would that look like? Raise your hands if you would like a stress-free holiday season. The rest of you are liars. Thank you. <laughs> well, there's this idea that's been getting really popular now called minimalism. Uh, but actually, minimalism is an old biblical idea. And one of the essential truths of both minimalism and what the Bible teaches is that all areas of your life are connected. This morning, if you want to take notes, there's a note sheet in your program. You can follow along. Uh, we give you that note sheet so that you can uh, take some thoughts down, and we believe that we don't want to just give you some information. We want to give you a life of transformation. If you can hear it, if you can see it, 
If you can uh, read it, write it down, it'll help get those biblical truths into your life, get some, some base notes into your, into your heart. Uh, but all areas of our life are connected. There's a blog by Lisa Avellin, uh, I think that's how you say her name, I'm not sure. It's called simpleandsoul.com. If you want to check her out, she has some great writings on this idea of minimalism, simpleandsoul.com. And, and here's what she says. I, I love this quote. She says, if I'm honest, I didn't think about my spiritual life when I started pursuing minimalism. My faith is important to me and is a part of everyday life for me, but still sometimes I compartmentalize my life. Here's my family, here's my writing, here's my health, here's my faith, etc. As it turns out, my faith is probably the area most impacted by simplicity. Minimalism reached down into my soul and lifted my eyes upward. Minimalism reached down into my soul and lifted my eyes upward because it immediately reminded me that my spirituality is my entire life. Everything else functions around that. It was impossible to intentionally take my focus off of what I owned and not turn my eyes to Jesus. What else is there to look uh, when the material things are gone? Today, we're going to dive into this idea that less is more. If you're like me, you've been programmed by our world, by our culture, to believe that more is always better, right? That's the American dream. If an enclosed garage instead of just a carport is better for my car, then a two-car garage is better. If a two-car garage is good, then a three-car garage with a heater must be better. If one dollar is good, then two dollars must be better. If one kid is good, then four kids must be better, right? Please tell me that's the case because I've got a fourth coming in about six months. And so I'm choosing to believe that more is better, right? If one is good, then more must be better. That's what our world teaches us. Our world teaches us to get while the getting is good and to get all that we can get. That's kind of the American dream, right? But is that how we have to live? Do we have to consume more and more and live a life filled with trying to accumulate more and more stuff? Well, the good news is the Bible offers a different perspective from what the world teaches us. In fact, King Solomon, the same author of the Song of Solomon, this uh, musical, this book we were in the last six weeks, he shares some wisdom on this topic. We spent the last six weeks going through this musical called the Song of Solomon, uh, written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, this series is going to be a little different. A lot of times here at Mosaic, we like to go through books of the Bible. Uh, but instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what different parts of the Bible have to say about stress and finances. So here we go. Let's see what so King Solomon, uh, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus all have to say on this subject. King Solomon, he writes in a different book than the Song of Solomon, in his book Ecclesiastes. He says this, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Solomon also says this in his book of Proverbs, 15, verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. He says, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with great toil. When is one handful better than two handfuls? In our culture, we're taught to get as much as we can to grasp with both hands. So why would one hand free be better. Well, what if your neighbor or your friend is going through a tough time and they've fallen on hard times? If you have one hand free, you can offer them a hand and you can lift them up. What if someone is going through a tough time? You can offer them a hand of comfort if you have one hand free. If both my hands are holding tightly to all my stuff, do I have any free hands to help someone? No. 
Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Well, let's see what Jesus has to say about this. In Matthew 6, verse 25 to 27, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Well, let's see what the Apostle Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, what does he have to say? Now, keep in mind, when we read this next scripture, Paul is sitting in a Roman jail cell. And one way that Roman jails were different than ours is that they didn't feed you in Roman cells. Uh, There was no meal program there. That prisoners were 100% dependent on outside friends and family to bring them food or else they starved to death in their prisons. And here's what Paul, who grew up in a wealthy, powerful family, and is now sitting in a prison cell, this is what he says in Philippians 4, verse 11. He's sitting in a jail cell. Um, I've had the privilege to be over there in Rome to visit his, his jail, and it was an amazing experience. And here's what he says. He says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And he writes this as well in 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-8 to a young pastor. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. And then what does the book of Hebrews say? Hebrews 13, 5, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What jumps out to you? Is there a word that jumps out to you those last couple passages? You can shout it out. Content. Yeah, I think we even underlined it for you. See, the wisdom of the world says, consume, get all that you can get, consume. That's what the world says, but God's word says to be content. The world says to consume, consume, consume. God's word says, be content, be content, be content. And what I want to do today is focus on how do we be content. And I believe the secret to being content is this idea that less is more. What do we need less of? We need less of what doesn't matter. Why? So we can experience more of what does matter. How do we learn to be content? We let go of worrying about all those things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of life. I want you to think for a minute, but what does really matter in your life? Think about your life and ask yourself, what really matters? If you had three months left to live, what in your life would hold the most value? If you had to list those things in your life, If you knew you only had a few months left, just take a second and think about what what are those things that would suddenly have the most value in your life. I can tell you what's probably not on your list is how much money you have in your bank account or those new granite countertops you finally got or that boat you saved up for or, you know, whatever it might be. What matters most to you? Today we're learning this principle that less is more. All right, we're going to say it together on three. Less is more. One, two, three. Less is more. That was not very good. Try it again. One, two, three. Less is more. 
Amen. I love it. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What I want to do is keep this very simple today, and I want to give you three thoughts if you're taking notes on what I'm calling living the less is more lifestyle. Number one, we're going to do three things. Number one, we're going to cut back. We're going to cut back. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. We're going to cut back. We're going to cut back. We want to consume less and learn to be more content. Some of you, you have so much stuff that all your stuff can't fit in your house. You have to put it in your garage. The garage is actually where what are supposed to go. Cars, yeah. Some of us have too much stuff. We can't even fit our cars in our garage, right? Some of us have so much stuff that we can't fit it in our house or our walk-in closets or even in our garage. And people on the other side of the world can't even believe this. But some of us even have to rent these things called storage facilities to put stuff in that we don't really want, that we don't even know what's in there, we don't really care about, uh, but just because we have too much stuff. And that's why every now and again we have to remember that less is more. Less is more. Better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. This summer we went through some of Jesus' parables. And at the end of this parable about the rich fool, Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 15, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. But I think a lot of us, we kind of know that truth up here in our heads, but we don't really have it down here in our hearts. That your life does not consist of your abundance of your possessions. See, the most meaningful things at the end of your life will not be stuff. And yet we tend to accumulate, 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 consume, consume, consume. That's why I want to encourage you to cut back on your consumption, to make a conscious effort to cut back and learn to be content. What are we going to do? We're going to cut back. We're going to cut back. What I want in my life, honestly, is less stuff and more friends, amen? Especially more friends who own boats. I want less stuff and more time with my family. I want less stuff and more experiences. And in order to get that, I'm going to have to cut back on consumption because I know deep down that less is more. Number two, we're going to clear out. We're going to cut back. We're going to clear out. And this is my favorite one. The other day, we were going through some of our cabinets and clearing out some stuff in, in closets. And I was working on our front hall closet and, and, and organizing, cleaning things out. And my little five-year-old daughter, Rebecca, comes up to me and says, Dad, should I keep this or throw it away? And I kept working, looking at the closet, didn't even look at her and said, throw it away. That's just who I am. Like, my natural bent is get rid of it. If we don't need it, just toss it out. And hopefully, you know, she's not holding something that we really do need. Uh, but we need to clear out. A wise pastor once said to me, he said, you need to clear out as if your life depends on it, because it does. He said, to really be the husband that you want to be, to really be the dad you want to be to your kids, to really be the pastor that would honor God, you need to clear out as if your life depended on it, because it declutters your heart, it declutters your mind, it frees you to be everything you're supposed to be. You need to clear out. That's a good word, not just for pastors, but for any one of us. Here's what I found. As I declutter, as I cut back, as I clear out, what happens is there's more room in my soul that wasn't there before. When I come into the house and it, it's more decluttered and, and there's not stuff everywhere, it's like there's not a drag in my heart and I can enjoy more time with Kristen, my wife, and our kids because there's something that holds me back when there's just all kinds of clutter and mess and chaos. I'd encourage you to consider clearing out as much as you can in your house. 
I want to acknowledge that this might be tough for some of you. I get that. You weren't raised like me. I was raised here in Maple Grove, middle class. I never wonder where my next meal would come from. But for some of you, that wasn't your case. And so you hold on to stuff because you're wondering, I might need this. I don't know when hard times are going to come. And I get that. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. But if there's stuff in your life that you're not using, you don't need, clear it out. Some of you, I'm sorry, you're just too sentimental. You just got to get rid of it. Just clear it out. All right? What did Jesus tell us? He says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I, I think of what my little daughter Rebecca, you know, one of the movies she loves, Frozen. What did Elsa tell us? Let it go. Let it go. This week, if you're thinking about clearing out, just sing that song. Let it go. Let it go. Just throw it out. Throw it out. Throw it out. Clear out. Clear out. In getting ready for this sermon series, I've uh, done some research and, you know, run across some of these blogs on minimalism. And can I tell you one of the crazy things I came across? Doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you anyways. <laughs> this one lady, she's kind of crazy, uh, but she's helpful. And quick note. If you start diving into this lifestyle and you really want to get into clearing out and minimalistic lifestyle, you don't have to be as extreme as some of these people who are like, you need to only have three pairs of clothes and that's it, or, you know, whatever it might be. Like, share a toothbrush. No, that's crazy, you know? <laughs> but what she said is that if you're having a hard time giving something away, then thank it for serving a purpose in your life. Like, literally take the thing and thank it for serving a purpose in your life. You know, maybe someone gave you a gift and you don't use it anymore, you haven't used it in 10 years, like, take that thing and say, thank you, you know, you were a gift from a friend, my best friend gave me this, and it really blessed me, you've served your purpose, and now I'm setting you free, let it go, like, you might need to do that, okay? Now, I'm a bit of a book hoarder, Kristen, right? But you never know, I might reread one of those hundreds of books I keep in our office, in our basement, in our garage, uh, you never know, but what I need to do is take my two boxes of over 30, maybe 40 paperback Star Wars novels and say, you know, thank you novels for serving a purpose in my life. When I was single and I didn't have a girlfriend, they kept me engaged, but now I have a pretty woman who will kiss me and I don't need these books anymore. Like, set you free and give them away so some other single guy can, you know, have them. Like, it'll help me to get rid of those books that I don't need anymore. So thank you for serving that purpose in my life. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but try it this week. We're going to cut back. We're going to clear away. Walk through your closet. If you haven't worn it in the last year, then give it away. Bless someone else with it. Try this, especially during the holiday season. When you get something, give some, something away. Get one, give one. Get one, give one. Get one, give one. Get a new shirt, give away a shirt. Get a new pair of pants, give away a pair of pants. You know, get a new shoes, give away some shoes. Get some new underwear. Okay, don't do it with underwear, but the rest of the things, you know, <laughs> Get one, give one, get one, give one, get one, give one. Here's something else you can do this week is, you know, maybe even those of you who have kids, make this a game. Go through your house and try to give away 100 things. Like, I know it sounds crazy, it sounds crazy right? 100 things you can give away to Goodwill or to someone else. Like, actually number them. Some of you, 100 is going to be way too easy. Like, you need to go for 500. And I'm going to challenge, maybe there's someone in this room, I feel it right now, who's going to be in the 1,000 club. There are 1,000 things that you can give away in your house to clear out. And I'd like to hear that. This week, if you want to, you know, drop me a, an email or a Facebook message or something, say, we joined the 100 club or the 500 club or the 1,000 club of giving things away. What are we going to do? We're going to cut back. We're going to clear out. All right, everyone say, cut back. We're going to cut back. We're going to clear out. 
Yes, you guys are doing great. Number three, we're going to pay off. Number three, we're going to pay off. How many of you would agree that financial stress is absolutely and completely no fun at all? I've never heard anyone say, man, my debt just helps me feel so, so much peace. I'm so thankful for high interest credit cards. I, just, I feel so close to God when I see how much money I'm spending on interest. I feel so much better. My debt brings me so much joy. No, I've never heard anyone say that before. Debt is a thief. Debt steals from you. Don't believe the lie that you are investing credit or whatever it might be. Interest is a penalty that you pay. It is a price that we pay. It's a penalty. Instead, we're going to talk about this uh, in a couple of weeks, that we want interest to work for us. The interest can be a reward when we actually are saving money. But debt is a thief that steals from us. See, no one says, oh, my, my debt, my credit card debt makes me feel so much at peace. No, they say, my debt makes me feel really stressed out. I worry about it all the time. My wife and I have fights about money. This isn't helping us. I'd give anything to go back and not end up in that place that I am today. Here's what King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he wrote about debt. He said in Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. He also said in Proverbs chapter 6, 1 through 5, he said, My son, if you put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger. This is, uh, he's saying, if you're in debt to someone, if you have snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, you've agreed to something, then do this, my son, and save yourself. If you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Debt is bad. Debt makes you a slave. Solomon says, be like a gazelle and run. Pay off debt. Save yourself from the hunter. That's why we're going to pay off. And next week, we're going to talk very specifically about the heart behind doing this. So that we'll be motivated to honor God and paying things off. So don't mix next Sunday as we talk about how to get rid of stress and how debt is one of those things that cause stress for a lot of people. What's fun is being debt-free. You might say, there's no way where my finances are. I could never get there. I want to point you to Dave Ramsey, who has Financial Peace. It's a great organization to go through. We actually are talking about offering a Financial Peace class maybe in January in this next semester for those who want to go through that to help people get out of debt. There is a system, no matter how uh, in debt you are, you can get out of it. You can take some steps even right now to get out of debt. You know, pay off that first credit card, and you'll be like, this feels amazing. Then pay off that first card, and all of a sudden you got no car payments, and it feels so good. And then maybe, you know, like some really crazy people that I aspire to someday, is they pay off your house. Can you imagine what it would feel like to not have a house payment? To live totally and completely debt-free. What could you do with your resources? What could you do with your life by not having uh, car payments, by not having student loan payments, by not having a house payment? What could God do through you? Stress is bad. Eliminating debt is incredibly freeing. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I'll say it another way. Better is one used car that's reliable than a new car with really big payments that stress you out. Better a smaller house you can afford than fighting with your spouse over payments that you can't really make on a mortgage that's too big for you. Better to have financial margin and be able to help others who are in need to give them a hand than living paycheck to paycheck and wondering what would happen if I lost my job, we'd lose everything. So what are we going to do? We're going to cut back. We're going to clear out. We're going to pay off because less is more. Less is more. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Listen, guys, we get one chance to get this right. We have one ridiculously short life. 
we blink our eyes and our kids are going to be grown. You blink them again and we're going to be like, what did I do with my whole life? Life passes quickly. Listen, your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great and your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great and your God too good to waste your life on meaningless things. Amen? You and I serve a good God who's given us a life, who's given us a purpose. Your calling is special. You were not put on this earth just to accumulate more and more stuff, just to consume more and more. You were put here on earth for a reason, to make a difference in people's life. Amen? When you recognize that your calling is great, your God is good, your life is really short, we're going to refuse to waste our lives on things that don't matter. Because less is more, that stress is bad, giving is good, tomorrow matters. That's what we're going to be talking about for this series. We have a calling We weren't just placed here on earth just to consume, consume, consume. So we're going to cut back. We're going to clear out. We're going to pay off. It's better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. I am excited for this series to see what God is going to do in our hearts, in our lives, as he changes and transforms us. This might be just the first step for many of us in a whole new way of life. Maybe you've never thought about living below your means. Maybe you've never thought about setting aside money aside uh, in savings. Maybe you've never thought about uh, giving towards others. I pray that this series, God works in your life to eliminate stress, to uh, embrace generosity. We want to give you some very practical ways on how you can embrace generosity during this series. One of the things we're going to do is we are doing, we did this, I believe it was last year or two years ago. When did we do the toothpaste drive, Tanya? Uh, Last year? Okay. We're going to do a toothpaste drive again. Uh, So one of our local partners that we like to partner with, we actually uh, did the Osseo Parade with them by, by driving their car, their truck to promote who they are, is an organization called Cross. Uh, It's Christians reaching out in social services. Thank you. And uh, doing some great things. And uh, one of the ways we want to uh, partner with Cross is they said, we we asked them, hey, uh, Pastor Nate asked them, hey, what what do you need the most during this time of holiday season? Said, we need toothbrushes and toothpaste. Uh, And so we want to, uh, on the next three weeks, we're going to be inviting you to come. You can drop off uh, new toothbrushes, toothpaste. We actually have a dentist in the house, and I think he's going to help us with this as well. So thank you for that. He's already uh, promised some toothpaste and toothbrushes. But the rest of us, we're going to come together and say, hey, maybe the next time you go to the grocery store, pick up an extra toothbrush, pick, pick up an extra toothpaste, go to the dollar store. And we're, we're going to just, a way for you to give during this holiday season is we want to collect toothbrush, toothbrushes and toothpaste to help those who are in, uh, in so much need. They, they'll go to cross and get some help. So that's one of the things we are going to do. Another thing we're going to do is, guys, maybe you're good with your hands, you're good at building things. One of our other local partners is a great organization called Mobile Hope. Mobile Hope uh, works out of the uh, Maple Hills Estates uh, trailer park, and they've built this community center in there. It's an amazing story how uh, they got the owner of the trailer park to give them some land. They got some government grants to build this actual community center uh, in the middle of this mobile home community. Pastor Nate and his wife and their family, they actually moved into the trailer park to do incarnational ministry there. And so we partner with them. And one of the things they, they have, they do, they'll do some church services, different things, youth group in this community center. But it's, it's a pretty big, uh, just kind of empty room and, and sound bounces around. And so he said, man, is there something we could do? We asked them to help you out. And they said, well, we could, you know, use some sound baffling. 
to uh, absorb some of the sound. And we said, hey, we can do that. And so uh, Matt, our, our worship leader, uh, he has knowledge. He's built them before at his old church. And he said, I just need some guys who have saws, who you know, maybe want to donate some wood, some materials, and we'll just come together and we, we're going to build some sound panels for the Mobile uh, Hope Center. And so if you're, if you're a dude and you're like, hey, I'm pretty good at a saw or I can swing a hammer without banging up my thumb like me, or, or a woman, yes, sorry, yes, or a lady, give the ladies a hand who are good at power tools. Um, just put that on your connection card, and I'll introduce you to Matt, our worship leader, and to help. Uh, and uh, we got some other ideas, too. Uh, of, of, uh, we've been talking, um, uh, one of our uh, elders, Bill, and I have been chatting about how uh, we can be generous this season and reaching out to some of even the people in our community who um, uh, are, you know, maybe need a little help this holiday season with, with presents for their kids. Um, because we are a family, amen? And we want to take care of each other. And, and so you know, every month, we talked about this last week, we do a benevolence offering, which is just uh, an account that we can have, so that we can give to, that when people say, hey, you know, I need a bridge, you know, I've gone through a tough time, my husband lost his job, or you know, my husband had to go into, into rehab, or something else, whatever it might be, how can we step in and, and help bridge that gap? How can we bless those um, who are in need because we've been blessed? It's something we've talked about again and again. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so we'll be talking more about that as, as how are we going to reach out to those in our community. Uh, because I believe the New Testament tells us again and again, we are here to take care of the widows and the orphans and the foreigners. And that means we are here to bless and love on all the single moms in our community and the kids who don't have two parents in their house and those who are moved from another country and are still learning English. And because we have been blessed, God tells us to bless those. Amen? We're going to bless those people. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so during this series, we're going to want to give you a bunch of different ways how you can be generous, how you can make a difference in people's life. Bring an extra toothbrush next week. You know, uh, help Matt build some sound baffling for the Hope Center that is amazing work uh, over in the Mibble Hills uh, mobile home community. We're going to give you some other ideas, too, on how you can be generous. Uh, as we wrap up uh, uh, today's message, we're going to move into a time of baptism. So for those who are getting baptized, if you haven't changed yet, you can change now. And I just want to take a quick minute to talk about what baptism is and, and what it isn't. Uh, baptism, uh, the word baptizo literally means to be immersed. It's uh, the same word in Greek of a ship when it was going down on a shipwreck fully under the waves. And so because of that, we baptize by immersion because that's what the word literally means. And we practice what's called believer's baptism where we believe that uh, those who have said yes to following Jesus, to say, Jesus, you are my leader. You are my savior. You've made that most important decision in your life to follow Jesus. That the tangible uh, external sign of that, of that internal decision to follow Jesus, is to be baptized. And you are identifying with Jesus' death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. That's why you go under the water like you're being buried, and then you're raised uh, in Christ to new life. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's simply a, a tangible external uh, uh, act to show of the internal decision that you've made to follow Jesus. Now, many of us, myself included, were baptized as babies. And that's 
awesome. We have nothing against baby baptism. That's an incredibly significant event, especially in the lives of your parents, as they baptize you as a baby, and their hope and their prayer was that you would grow up to follow Jesus. And when you then, as an adult, choose to be baptized, it's the fulfillment of the hope that your parents had when they baptized you as a baby. It's saying that what my parents hoped for has now come to completion, and I'm living out that reality of what they hoped for me. And so here at Mosaic, we don't baptize babies. We have nothing against it. We, we baptize those who have made the decision to follow Jesus themselves. But we do something called baby dedication. And what that is, is you step in front of your church, in front of your family, your friends, to say, I'm bringing my child to God in the same way that we see throughout the Bible where, where people would bring their, their children like Samuel, like Jesus, to the temple to be blessed and say, I'm dedicating my child. My hope is that they will grow up to follow Jesus. And I'm dedicating my parenting to the best of my ability to God. To say, I am going to do the best, the best of my ability to raise my, my children in a way that is honoring to God. And church, would you help me do that? And so next week, we actually are doing baby or child dedication. And it doesn't really matter how old your children are. They, they don't have to be a, a brand new baby. But we're going to have a couple couples up here. And they're just going to get in front of the church and say, hey, here's my child. Here's my children. I'm standing in front of everyone to say, hey, I want to raise my child in a way that is honoring to God. And that hope is that then someday they will choose to follow Jesus and to get baptized as an adult, the fulfillment of that hope. If you have any more questions about baptism, child dedication, come talk to me anytime. Uh, but so that's next Sunday. If you would like to stand up in front of your church and just say, hey, we want to dedicate our children, our parenting uh, to God. We want the church to come around us to help us in that. Uh, you can sign up for that for next week. And one of the things that we do that I love uh, here at Mosaic is that then we'll take time in, in, during our worship while the band will keep playing, and then we'll just break up into little huddles where you have your small group or your family, your close friends huddle around you, and then they will pray for you, lay hands on you, and, and, and pray for you as you uh, are dedicating your parenting. They'll pray that, that God will give you strength and wisdom because parenting is hard, amen, and you need support in that. And that's a neat moment that we have uh, in our service. And so that's next Sunday. Uh, but today we have uh, two couples, I think, who are getting baptized today. Uh, and so uh, I am pumped. I'm excited. Go ahead and let's, let's bring the house lights up all the way so people can see. And then uh, uh, this is kind of cash. And so we'll do baptisms and then we'll close our service with offering. And that's a chance for those who are regular attenders of Mosaic to give back to God at the end of our service. But if you want to stand, if you want to cheer, we're one big family. So um, I'm going to invite, uh, who wants to go first? Uh, how about Tanya? Come on down, Tanya. Give her a hand. <laughs> 